Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and may I say it's good to be back. (laughs) My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, Volumes 1 through 8, available at Amazon in paperback and ebook. And I have a little announcement. Volume 8 is now available at ACX. In other words, Audible Book, iTunes, and Amazon. So 1 through 8 are now up in audio format as far as the Bigfoot books are concerned. And I want to encourage you all to purchase my new book, How to Make Money, God's Universal Laws for Wealth and Prosperity. It's a real eye-opener, my friends, and I highly suggest that you get into that. And let me bring my brother and co-host in here for a minute to have a little chat. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great, Bill, and it is great to have you back because... You know, it was fun to do the solo episode last week when you ran into all kinds of internet trouble, but uh, it's nice uh, to have you back. I was a little lonely talking to myself. (laughs) Yeah, folks, you know, my brother and I, it's the two of us. We don't have any big engineering staff, no backup hosts that we could call in and bring in. Well, we have backup hosts. We just haven't called them yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, and funny thing is, I told my brother earlier, uh, when we had a snafu uh, recording, the next day I lost my voice. So I was without, uh, I've been on steroids, and obviously I have my voice back. But that was kind of a weird turn of events there, Kev. So be careful. If you make me do it again by myself, you may lose your voice again. (laughs) I'm not sure what's going on there. (laughs) Now, listen, before we uh, put the truck in gear tonight, I have to ask you, did you happen to catch the very last episode of Expedition Bigfoot? No, no, not yet. Okay, so I'm not going to belabor this. They had a little round table at the end of the whole thing discussing evidence and findings. And mm. I have to tell you, they came across a lot of stuff, and I saw it all, and I think the show was legit. I'm only going to mention one thing, though. They began the series this year in Kentucky and then moved to Washington State. Mm. In Kentucky... uh they found a tree structure amongst other things that were going on in the very same area. And they, Dr. Maria, Maria, Maria Mayor, I think that's her name, uh, took an eDNA sampling from around and beneath the tree structure. So if nobody knows what eDNA is, I believe it simply stands for Earth DNA. And it's it seems to be like an up-and-coming science. I don't even know the historicity of it all. Uh, but they used a eDNA science center or group somewhere in California, one of the universities. And what they do is they take a sampling of areas globally, and they kind of get a, 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 through the sampling – they start to develop a library of what is found in various areas in soil or surface soil, peat, uh, 
uh, whatever you want to call it. So here in Kentucky, Kev, Mm. She takes this sampling from under this tree structure in the mountains, the Appalachian Mountains, whatever you call them over there in uh, Kentucky. And guess what shows up in the Earth DNA? Just just take take a shot. A hairy man. All right, so here's a miniature hairy man that you can barely (laughs) see until you put it under the microscope. By the way, eDNA is environmental DNA. Environmental. Okay. So in the sampling shows up primate and chimpanzee. Not a miniature Bigfoot? Not a miniature Bigfoot. (laughs) That's cool, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, and like Dr. Maria Mayor says, there are no uh, primates of any sort and or chimpanzees uh, wandering around in Kentucky in the woods and building uh, elaborate tree structures. Uh, And that was a real eye-opener. That was really incredible. Wow. And here I was. I was about to ask you before you told me all about the environmental DNA and monkeys and chimpanzee DNA in the forest, I was going to say, was the conclusion that they were sitting around the round table and the hairy man was sitting there with them? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's it's pretty bizarre, though, that they would come up with that. And they had a lot of great evidence, man. No, because, you know, on these shows, Bill, whenever they find the DNA, it's always like, I thought you were going to say some species that is not identified yet. You know, because it's either like a bear, a deer, or something they haven't identified yet. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I've heard in the past this DNA strand that is uh, predominantly like a primate, but it's got a touch of human. Right. I've heard of that a few times, and... I don't okay. follow all of that. I don't particularly need to understand it. Uh, but it is in the data stream, and it was really remarkable. Uh, yeah, it's kind cool. of kind of put a smile on my face when I heard it, you know? Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that one. Yeah, no, very interesting, very interesting. So, my brother, what do we have on the table for this evening's podcast? Yes, so tonight in cryptids in the news and other oddities, we're going to go into the cryptid file and mm-hmm. talk about one that people have heard of, probably, but may not know a lot about, and we're going to explore a couple of angles on it. Okay. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready, Freddy. We're going to talk about the Ozark Howler. Oh, you know, I have to tell you, I've I've heard this name before, but am unfamiliar with, you know, what it is that people are saying. To me, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear Howler is a Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, is that well, what we're dealing be, with? This might be a Bigfoot, but it's a weirdly distorted, creepier than normal <laughs> Bigfoot. <laughs> So it's called the Ozark Howler or the Ozark Black Howler. And um, it's been, uh, there's been sightings of it going back to the 1950s in both the uh, 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 Arkansas Ozarks and the Missouri Ozarks. So all along the Ozark Mountains. And once in a while, even farther west into South Texas and Oklahoma. Wow. So, and and this thing has a lot of descriptions, but the typical description is being about as big as a bear mm-hmm. with thick with very thick body, very stocky legs, long black shaggy hair, but so you might be saying, "Oh, that could easily be a bear." Mm-hmm. But it has very large prominent horns. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, what kind and the of horns? horns look a bit like goat horns. Oh boy. Here we go <laughs> with the goat horns again, you know. Is that a bad thing, Bill, when you see goat horns it's on o- a hairy beast? It's always bad when you see goat horns. 
You know, goat horns are, have always been associated with uh, the satanic. I don't think yeah. that's news to anybody that's been on the planet for a while. Mm. And so when you see something uh, with what you identify like immediately is, wow, it's got goat horns. You're in trouble. Yeah, especially this one. They don't talk about it this way. But a lot of times when we hear goat horns, we also hear red eyes. Yeah. And that's when when you're with your friend, your friend turns around and says, where'd you go, Kev? Because <laughs> I am out of there. <laughs> goat go. horns, red eyes, and a creepy face. And I'll I'll put up uh, some sketches of this beast on uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, and it is definitely satanic looking. Yeah. Now, uh, when you first mentioned the proximity before you went into Oklahoma and East Texas, I was saying yeah. to myself right off the bat, it sounds like some local lore, you know, like a, a regional thing, you know. Yeah, but now, yeah. now you're expanding quite a bit going into those other areas and states, you know. Well, I think there is a little bit of regional lore to it, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a minute. But okay. could also branch over into the demonic as well from the regional lore. Mm -hmm. But first, as the name suggests, this thing has a howl. And uh, the howl is uh, a sound that has different descriptions, but generally a very deep and guttural howl. Uh, but some describe it as the most unearthly scream. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds a little bit like a, a coyote at times to me, because some of the descriptions say like the screams of a woman. And you've heard me describe, Bill, before the coyotes that hang out by my house sometimes. The first time I heard one in the driveway, I went outside because I thought like a woman was screaming for her life and there was a coyote there. I was like, holy cow, that's a creep fest. But yeah. this is, uh, the, you know, in this part of the world here, they have coyotes, so they know what coyotes sound like. Um, but they're referring to this as something else. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned the coyotes again. I was just having a conversation with a listener this morning. Uh, Wendy, if you're out there, uh, hello to you. And uh, Wendy had told me she had heard a howl. Uh, some I believe it was you, Wendy. If I'm mistaken, uh, I stand corrected. Uh, said she had heard a howl of some sort, and she went online to listen to coyote howls. Uh, she doesn't have coyotes living where she is, but she wanted to hear what a coyote sounded like because she couldn't identify what she heard, and she said it didn't mm. sound like a coyote. Oh, okay. So that was a little detective work on her part. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, investigate. But go ahead. I didn't mean to. Yeah, no, no problem. So uh, it's got this strange howl. Mm -hmm. But here we get into uh, a little bit of the folklore. So it turns out that the Scottish, the Irish, and the Welsh, and the English, right, the settlers from uh, the greater UK, mm -hmm. um, came over to the Ozarks Plateau, this region of the U.S., in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. And of course, like many early settlers, they brought with them their, their stories, you know, from their ancestry. Mm -hmm. And some of those stories uh, include that they brought over something called the Sith. So it's C-U-S-I-T-H, but they say it's pronounced Cat-She. Mm -hmm. And Cat-She is derived from the Gaelic words uh, Kate, cat, meaning cat, like, uh, like meow, mm -hmm. and Sith, meaning the term for fairies in Gaelic. Mm -hmm. So Cat-She is kind of cat-fairy, mm -hmm. right? And yep, I know yep. you're a fan... I know you're a fan of these mythological fairies, Bill. You know, uh, yeah, I'm a fan of innocent them. Innocent and not bothering anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except <laughs> if they get too close, I hope they get within range of my double barrel. <laughs> we'll see if we'll see if fairies can fly with nine shot. So you're gonna like this. So <laughs> they talk about this cat she. 
And they say the size of the creature is said to be close to a very large-sized dog, and that many of the sightings could could also be mistaken for a slightly larger animal. (laughs) And one of the theories about the Katshi suggests that they aren't fairies at all, but actually witches that have the ability to transform back and forth between human form and cat form. Yeah, and where does that come from, Kev? Shape-shifting. It's across the board. It goes in and out of many different genres. Here's another example of a shape-shift between a woman and a cat. This notion of human and non back and forth. It's really no different than... Go ahead. No, no, so it gets better. So, you know, these Catchy, they were not uh, believed to be friendly creatures. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And going back to the highlands of, uh, you know, Scotland, they say that they did not trust them, and they believed that they were stealers of the soul. And they, the common belief was that the cat she would pass over the corpse of the dead just prior to burial and steal the soul from someone before the gods had claimed it. Oh, boy. Yeah, they would set up special watches, get this, around the dead, which, uh, which they, in English, translated into a late wake. And those on the watch would attempt to keep the catchy away from the room containing the corpse by distracting it in a variety of methods. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm telling I'm you, telling Kevin, you. You know, I'm listening to this stuff in 2021, having lived a while and seen and listened to quite a few things. But it just doesn't end, man. <laughs> no, I know. I know it's wild. I can't I can't picture myself in the room uh with a group of people and entertaining we got to do this, we got to do that and you know this whole ritualistic mumbo jumbo. Uh, it's just really bizarre, is it not? Oh, it's totally bizarre. Uh you know, until you actually saw one of these catchies <laughs> show up. <laughs> I mean, everything's a good laugh, Bill, until you see something that looks like a bear with horns and red eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the catchy Uber driver arrives with your, with, with your right. tacos. You get, in the car, you get in the car, you're on your phone, you're not paying attention. All of a sudden, the doors lock, and this thing turns around and looks at you, and it's got bear fur, goat horns, and red eyes. And what do you say? Catchy! <laughs> Yeah. So if I ever call you, Bill, and you hear me screaming catchy, you know what's going on. Yeah. 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 Catchy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Ay, ay, ay. So where where do we go here? Have any people been uh, injured by this uh, creature? Nobody injured, but there are sightings that go back to like. Uh, 2012 is the most recent one, Mm -hmm. Um, so not that long ago. And typically, when they report them to uh, the authorities, these sightings, the the authorities start to get this, say that it's either a bear or a big cat. But then uh, the the wildlife committee says, well, of course, there are bears there, but uh, apparently they don't have a lot of cougars there, or so they think. I mean... I'm kind of skeptical of that because I think cougars are more and more everywhere where it's a bit rural, you know, and they're so sneaky. Yeah. I know from my experience living out in Spokane, Washington, they were all around us in suburbia, but yet, you know, you never saw them until they caused trouble and somebody shot one. Yeah. You know, I wish everybody would get off of this kick of misidentification because I was just having this conversation again with somebody uh, very recently. There is no mistaking a black bear for anything else other than a black bear. Doesn't what about look the horns and the red eyes, Bill. Yeah, I mean, come yeah, on. yeah, come on. 
I mean, you're not Could looking have been at a black a... bear wearing a goat costume. I agree. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, it could Maybe be. Maybe it's bear Halloween. You know, who knows? Maybe the bears have something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable, man. Just unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, so that is that is the tale of the Ozark Howler. So, you know, we have a lot of listeners around the Ozarks. So, folks, if you have a story about the Ozark Howler, uh, you know, or know of a, an encounter passed on in the family or from your uncle or something like that, you know, write in and tell us about it. And we'll uh, we'll put the account in the podcast. Yeah, and uh, if you have a steady seven-minute film clip of the Ozark Howler <laughs> with a soundtrack, a Dolby soundtrack accompanying it, yeah, 4K, uh, 4K video, that would be awesome. Maybe around 12 noon from 10 yards away. Yeah, I uh, we'd be interested in seeing that. So contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com and uh, push that right out to us. <laughs> <laughs> A little tongue-in-cheek sarcasm there. Of course, of course. Well, well you never know. Maybe we'll yeah. get one. Yeah, why is it that a steady picture? I don't understand it. <laughs> For some reason, he was shaking when he saw the 300-pound creature with goat horns and red eyes. Yeah, coming at him. <laughs> Howling. Just like stand your dead. ground. <laughs> Be a man. Exactly. exactly. Well, Kev, that was excellent. And uh, I'm going to bring us back to uh, a great... You know, folks, periodically I like to turn things around a little bit, knowing that people are always coming in that haven't listened to us before and uh, haven't heard, frankly, many of the things or the accounts that I brought to the light of day uh, before. And today, uh, this is, I have a lot of favorites, Kev, and this is definitely one of my favorites because as you're about to hear, it sheds a little different light on the Bigfoot phenomena, if you believe what's said here. And I definitely have a feeling that to a certain degree, this could in fact be true. So this rather unusual and game-changing story, in my opinion, was told to me by a fellow named Frank Maselli, a uh, landscape photographer and avid hiker from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, this is what Frank saw and heard while hiking through an area called the Lower Crabtree Meadows in July of 2017. As I told you when we first spoke, I'm more or less an amateur photographer, specializing in landscape and panoramic pictures. I don't know when or how someone is touted to be a professional in my craft, but I've never applied that badge to myself. I've been at this now for well over 25 years, and many of my pictures are posted online at such sites as Flickr. My wife, Sandra, and I were just coming off some high ground, working our way down through the lower crab meadows. I had just set the tripod up with the view of the valley and trees within the meadows in the foreground and that of Mount Russell rising up in the background. Having taken a few really nice shots from this perspective, the two of us continued to hike through the crab, as we call it. As we made our way through, we had decided to work our way up to a slightly higher position on one of the wooded hilltops to our left. We had hiked up through the trees to a slightly higher elevation, where the perspective through the lens had changed dramatically. Once again, I had set up the tripod to take a few more shots. The view from here was spectacular. I was standing alongside of the camera setting up for a panoramic shot when I heard a loud knocking sound emanating through this valley. Sandra and I both looked at each other as if to say, what the heck was that? We began to scan the surrounding area in hopes of seeing whatever had made the sound. 
I should mention that we hadn't seen any large animals as we passed through the crab, getting to the point where we found ourselves. I was now using the telephoto camera lens, and Sandra was using a pair of field glasses to scan the area around us. After a few minutes, having heard nothing more, my wife said that she saw something dark pacing around in the timber on the slope to our right-hand side. I said to her, what do you mean, pacing? She said to me that whatever she was looking at was standing on two legs and was moving back and forth in a random manner within the trees. I immediately started scanning the area in which she was looking with my telephoto and bingo. There before my eyes was a large black Bigfoot on the slope. Just so you can visualize what I was seeing through the lens, the creature was about two inches tall in the lens at this distance. I had it in focus, but I couldn't see it or its movements with great clarity. It was pacing around exactly as my wife had said, flipping its arms left and right like a nervous man waiting for a bus. It stayed in this one small area, pacing around for maybe 10 minutes or so. Suddenly, it stopped pacing and stood erect, facing the north with its head held high, as it brought its hands up to its mouth. Once again, we heard a loud, resonating knock. And as soon as we had heard the knocking sound, it lowered its arms and started pacing around as it had been doing before. Now, I must be upfront with you with what I'm about to say. My wife and I had seen every Bigfoot show available to mankind ten times over. We'd heard all of the tales and seen all the people pounding on trees with logs and bats walking through the forest. The two of us in all of our outdoor adventures had seen and heard nothing for ourselves up until this afternoon of which I speak. <clears throat> on that afternoon, I believe we settled the score once and for all, as far as wood knocks go. It's not a wood knock at all, but rather a large and loud vocalization being made by the creatures internally. Having tried it for myself, I can make a cluck or a knock sound by putting my tongue to the roof of my mouth and moving my jaw downward. There's no way for me to describe the mechanics of what I'm talking about to you, but I can do it. Now, whether or not they're doing it in the same way is something which you and I have no way of knowing. But what I saw and heard was evidence enough for me. There was nothing else present in that valley with us. And the sound occurred exactly when it had elevated its head and put its hands to the sides of its mouth. The creature was evidently very tall and broad in stature. Exactly how big I cannot say because the distance was too great and we weren't going over there to say hello. We could most definitely make out its exceedingly long arm length and its fur or hair, which was shiny and black. After about what must have been 20 minutes or so, it abruptly stopped this pacing and moved out of our sight walking what I would say was some three or four hundred yards. I, as a photographer, have captured some moments in time that will never be duplicated again. I've shown the same stills to many others that you have seen, and they frankly don't believe it or have little or nothing to say about them. I guess it's just part of human nature. We have the believers and the non-believers. We have those who do and those who don't. As for Sandra and I, we are most definitely now counted among the believers. That about says it, Kevin. Well, that is pretty cool. So, Bill, what sighting does that remind you of? Well, right off the bat, Kev, Marble Mountain. Marble Mountain. 
where we we have the video of the Marble Mountain sighting that we've talked about many episodes ago, but uh, and you can find it on our website, but where you see them looking up on the ridge in the daytime and this Bigfoot walking back and forth, pacing back and forth, moving its arms around like a nervous person waiting for a bus. It's like the same kind of description here at Mount Russell. Yeah. Yeah. It's the perfect. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, I looked it up, Bill, while you were telling uh, the tale and uh, just to see how close they were, because I know they're both in California, but they're about 300 miles apart. So, yeah, well, Mount Russell is a big piece of rock (laughs) down near uh, Sequoia National Park and uh, Marble Mountains up near uh, Roseville, California. Oh, I see, Kev. You were saying that uh, Marble Mountain and Mount Russell, where were they in proximity to each other? Yeah, exactly. In case they were Uh, right next to to one another. Hey, could have been the same nervous, uh, hairy man. Yeah, yeah, but it's perfect verbiage for describing what they were seeing. You know, this thing like kind of aggravated, kind of. Pissed or disturbed or whatever you want to say. Remember in Marble Mountain, we were thinking it was frustrating because it's up on the ridgeline looking at them and they had just discovered what looked like its little uh, den. Yeah. Right. Made out of made out of those big branches that were wound and woven together. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. So this is pretty cool. And this knocking sound uh, instead of knocking on a tree which a lot of folks say, uh, they're saying that the sound was coming from its mouth. Yeah, and like a cluck, you know, like this. I can't, yeah. I can't do, I can't do. You know what I'm talking about? It, it yeah, but loud, you know, well, like a I real, like a, yeah. a, a wood block, you yeah, know, in an you orchestra. Know, by the way, Bill, my opinion, not that I'm the world's greatest Bigfoot expert by any means. But it kind of makes more sense to me that it's a vocalization rather than a hairy man picking up a log and banging on a tree. Yeah. You know, and uh, just logically. It, it really, to get a good knock, it's kind of got to be the right tree, right? Which is possible that they know maybe an oak gives a better sound than a whatever, a beech tree. And really, you have to have a nice stout branch to get a, a, that real, you know, percussive sound, you know? Yeah. It's so, just, I don't know, it makes more sense to me that a beast would do some kind of vocalization rather than picking up logs and whacking trees with them. Absolutely. And with all the different vocalizations made in nature, would it shock you? No, not at all. I mean, there are people that say, and this is no baloney, Kev, there are people that say they've heard car doors slamming in the middle of nowhere. Uh, the knocks, rock clacks, uh, just really strange stuff. Like, what the heck? Off-the-wall sound effects, like in the middle of freaking, you know, nowhere. Yeah. You have to say to yourself, what is going on? You know, very bizarre. I am am with you. That is bizarre. Yeah, and they watched this thing for some 20 minutes. That was also amazing that they saw it doing this whole routine for 20 minutes. Yeah. Too bad they didn't have the camera rolling there, huh? Yeah, and you know what? What makes me, what this makes me wonder, when we talk about Marble Mountain, I wonder, Kev, if that Bigfoot that was stomping around up in that ridgeline, if there was one person there instead of a group, would it have come down? Hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe. I mean, you could definitely assume that it wouldn't come down because there were like 10 or 12 of them there with the. It was like a church group of kids and a right. few adults, right? Going hiking and camping. And it was daytime. Daytime, yeah. Uh, and it could really scope all of them out visually, I am sure. Yeah. And I think it was more of a numbers and a noise thing sure. that kept it from coming down and maybe trying to scare somebody off or worse. Yeah, and it was, you know, they were around which could have, the place that could have been its home, right? You know, Right. It's den of sorts. Yeah, well, you know, people say don't go by the bears then. 
You know, I don't know why that would be any different, you know? Yeah. But uh, anyways, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's a great account. It's a great account. I can imagine uh, what's cool about the account is, one, it's a lot like uh, the Marble Mountain account, which we have videotape of. And then the other part that's cool about it is it's so vivid, the description. You can, you know, you could see and imagine uh, what this Bigfoot looked like. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, I appreciate like with this fella and his wife, that he's looking through this telephoto lens and at the distance, he's pulling up a miniature, uh, even with the telephoto, you know, it's just sure, too sure. small. But with any good glass on a pair of binoculars or a camera lens, any good glass, you will at least see the miniature with clarity, maybe not great detail, but you'll know what you're looking at. Oh, no doubt about it. You know. You're not going to be saying, is that a squirrel standing on its hind legs or is that a Bigfoot, honey? No, I got a little Nikon, you know, spotter scope that's like, that's probably 18 inches long or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. That thing is amazing. I don't know what the power is, but you look at stuff through that and you're like, whoa, you know, right up close. Yeah. Yeah. No, they make good stuff today. There's, yeah. You know, it's not like when we used to go up to Sears and get some strange little telescope that was <laughs> broke the next year. <laughs> the kaleidoscope binoculars? Yeah, you know, like, is this right? I, something doesn't look right here. Seems like it's further away when I look through these. <laughs> Unbelievable. Enjoy uh, those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Kev, you know, I got to make a little announcement here. Do you remember we had a little book contest? Oh, yeah. And uh, what did we ask him to write in with the Bigfoot story? I uh, can't even remember, Bill. You put me on the spot here. Yeah, you and me remember. both. You and me both. I, yeah. And I, I couldn't remember what we asked him to do. And you know what clued me in? Uh, the The winner, the guy who I chose as the winner, uh, had said at the top of his uh, entry, uh, you know, that it was relative to the Bigfoot story contest. Oh, there you go. See, at least they're keeping us honest. Yeah, to listen to So, folks, if you want to win, you just put Bigfoot contest on the top of your email. Yeah, you might write under there, like, I know you don't know what you're doing. We can't keep track. Yeah, I know you don't know what you're doing, so let me tell you. Exactly. My brother might just send you a bag of money. You never know. (laughs) So, at any rate... The winner of this signed autograph book uh, contest is a fellow. It could be, it could be a girl, actually. The name is Charlie, but spelled C H A R L E Y. So Charlie hails from the Atlanta, Georgia area. And Charlie, here's the gig, my friend. To claim your prize, you have to be listening to this podcast where I announced who you are. And if you are, just send me back another email thanking me immensely. (laughs) (laughs) For the elusive autograph copy book that I can't obtain. (laughs) And give me your address and I will send this book out to you, my friend. How's that, Kevin? I think that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-E-Y, coming from the Atlanta, Georgia area. Very cool. Fantastic. All right, Kev, what do we got from our listeners' uh, mail this week? Yeah, we got some great listener mail. So, speaking of Georgia, the first email comes in from Judy, J-U-D-Y, in Georgia. I'm pretty sure that's female, Bill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know where I stand on that, bro. (laughs) And she writes, as a new listener and loving it to your podcast, I just listened to the episode in which you describe the history of green eyes at the Chickamauga Battlefield in northwest Georgia. I live about three miles from the battlefield and travel through it nearly every day. 
It is a beautiful, reverent reminder to me of the many lives lost in this bloody battle of the Civil War. When I was growing up here, we'd all heard the stories of Green Eyes. It was a common occurrence for us teenagers to cruise the park at night trying to see Green Eyes. For us, it was, a har- it was harmless fun, and I think I believed it was probably just folklore. Until I heard your podcast, Uh-oh. I wasn't even aware that the apparition was any more than a ghost, ghostly wisp of a thing with glowing green eyes. Uh-huh. Bill's thoughts on it, <laughs> however, ring true for me now. As a Catholic, I most certainly believe in the power of evil in our world especially Satan's power to go unnoticed and therefore become even more powerful. Uh-huh. I've never seen green eyes and long ago gave up those late night joy rides through the park trying to find it. <laughs> oh boy. I will, boy. Yeah, exactly. I will <laughs> tell you one unusual experience I had in the park. You must realize that this is a huge area of protected woodland and open fields filled with monuments and statues representing both sides of the conflict. In the summer, it can be quite filled with tourists and history lovers. There are horse trails, walking trails, and dozens of quiet nooks in the woods to enjoy. I write a weekly column for my local newspaper on faith, and I often find one of those quiet nooks in the park to sit and write. I was doing just that a couple of years ago when something happened that I'll never forget. Hmm. It was a warm April afternoon, and I was alone with no sound of anyone else near me. Hmm. I'd been writing for about an hour, enjoying the dappled sunshine and the sound of the birds in the trees, when suddenly I heard something distinctly out of place. Mm -hmm. You ready? Yeah, I wonder what that might be. Bagpipes. (laughs) Bagpipes. <laughs> you didn't see that coming. I did not. And you know, uh, I have to say, bagpipes was not high on my list. Nope. So she writes, <laughs> Now I love bagpipes. Maybe I'm in the minority, but their mournful notes always touch my heart, and this day was no exception. I didn't recognize the tune, but it was lovely. It sounded like a single piper. I couldn't imagine where he or she could be playing, since I was easily a mile into the woods, far from any tourist path. Uh So I got up and walked in the direction of the sound. I followed a game trail for a few hundred yards, listening to the music, but I never seemed to get any closer to it. And so, after a while, I stopped and went back to where I had parked my car. At no time did it seem threatening or unnerving. I took it as a gift. Perhaps some wayward lost soldier was piping his way home or leading some other lost souls to theirs. I don't know what it was. After listening to your podcast on Green Eyes, I'd like to think God sent an angel to cleanse the fields and woods of any dark spirit that might have been wandering through. Hmm. Anyway, just wanted to share this with you guys. I enjoy your podcast so much, and I am binge listening so I can catch up. Keep up the great work. And she, she writes, P.S. I'll admit that I drove through the battle, that as I drove through the battlefield this morning, I prayed a Hail Mary just to put green eyes on alert. <laughs> <laughs> That is well, pretty cool. Bravo. That was a heck of an email. Yeah, I love when people write in about the podcast, you know, that, that we have done and their experience with it. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah, and you know, Kev, folks, we are not standoffish. You know, uh, this lady Speak obviously— Speak for yourself. Yeah. I'm quite standoffish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially when I'm wearing plaid Bermuda shorts. But it's really nice that someone felt that they could speak to us openly in such a way 
and that somebody would actually read it, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, address it. You know what I mean? So that's that's really great. Old green eyes. Wasn't that Frank Sinatra? That's blue eyes, Bill. <laughs> so, <laughs> so our, there's no. Our ch- next email is short and sweet, but it comes from one of our longtime fans, so I have to read it. All right. It comes from Michelle, and I think Michelle is in New York. She says, Happy 100th episode. Just wanted to say congratulations for having done 100 episodes, hoping many more to come. As a listener from the beginning, I just wanted to say how proud I am of you both, Michelle. Nice. So, Bill, we got somebody that's proud of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, you know, maybe Michelle's not right mentally, you know, that she feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This uh, person might be saying that you're not right mentally, Bill, when you hear we this. Fo- we fooled another one. This comes in from Jason. He writes, All right, WJ, I've had enough, and I'm not going to take it anymore. (laughs) Episode 103 offered you yet another opportunity to butcher the name of my beloved Oregon. Yahoo! But I have come to appreciate it as it comes from two of my favorite goofballs, And one of my favorite podcasts. (laughs) Must be some other podcast. (laughs) Keep up the good work, gentlemen, even if it includes a solid ribbing from WJ. (laughs) And KJ, Ashland, Oregon, was actually named after Ashland, Ohio, if my memory serves me correctly. I went to school there for a year, and I've been in love with the enchanting southern part of the state ever since. Thanks, fellas. Jason, and he spells it out phonetically the wrong way, Jason in Oregon. <laughs> Nobody cares, Jason. Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing uh, when you go around the country and you hear different people speak and even other countries, you know, uh, so many dialects, so many different ways people read things, you know, and this is just another example, you know. 100%. Yeah, it's amazing, you know. Like, you know, know, listeners have written in at times, Kev, I don't know if you remember, we've had one or two emails since we started where somebody said, I like, I recognize your Long Island accent. Yeah. It's kind of weird, right? I mean, but they know. You know, it's interesting. No, it's very distinctive, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know having traveled a lot. I mean, you know, you don't realize it when you're there and you live there for a very long time. Um, but, you know, it's a very distinctive accent, almost like Boston, you know, and Brooklyn, and you can tell them apart. It's yeah. a distinctive accent, as long as somebody has been there before so they know what to listen for. That's right, you know. Obviously, yeah. they obviously they can identify intelligence when they hear it. <laughs> when they're getting their coffee. <laughs> when they're getting their coffee. That is, if you're not in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. All right. One more. Our last email comes in from Rick, our beat reporter in Ohio. And he writes, hi, Bill. Rick, did you forget about me? I'm the one that (laughs) reads the letters. (laughs) It's a good thing you contribute, Rick. He writes, Uh hi, Bill. Just passing along this story. Your occasional use of the Cockney accent to repeat this line caused me to Google it. (laughs) And I found out. Um, And he's he's Googling uh, the fact, Bill, what did... uh, what did John Lennon rumored? What was he rumored to say about Ringo? First of all, I was not rumored about anything. I said at point blank, Ringo's not exactly the best drummer in the Beatles either. <laughs> That's what I That's said, right. Rick, is and he, I meant it. Is he the best drummer you ever played with? He's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. 
<laughs> That's right, Kevin. So you must have heard me say it as well. I did. But uh, apparently, you know, in this uh, Rick's reporting about, he's talking about the fact that uh, it's they're not quite sure if he actually ever said that or if it's like a bit of an urban legend. But, Bill, I could have sworn, now I'm sore, I'm, I'm missing this because it certainly would have shown up in Google. I thought I heard him say it on some of the BBC tapes, the infamous Beatles BBC tapes. Kev, not only did I hear him say it, I saw him say it. Okay. I was watching a a video interview with sound and him sitting there. Yeah. And it was done very much tongue-in-cheek. He kept a straight face. Of course. Well, he Some, was always joking around. Right? Of course. Yeah, Especially somebody, in the early days. Yeah. Somebody off camera asked him a question, and they said, uh, do you think that Ringo is the best drummer in the world? And John just looked straight face. See, the best drummer in the world. Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> you know, he was like right there with the one-liner, you know? Yeah. So, and, uh, then, uh, and then Rick mentions that, by the way, when he was listening to the story of the Hairy Man sighting in Ashland, Ohio, that was the one outside of the uh, health club around midnight. Uh-huh. Um, he said, that's only about 45 miles as the crow flies from my house. There is hope I might catch a sight of one of these big boys yet. <laughs> Best Rick. Yeah, Rick's pretty cool. He's not afraid to chime in and send us off little data streams here and there. Yeah, he's a good uh, beat reporter. Yeah, he's a good guy. And uh, anybody else out there, boy, if you're interested in uh, joining forces, we're interested in hearing from you, you know. 100%. Set, send out whatever you got, whatever you've seen, whatever you heard, whatever you think is of interest. Uh, because we're two guys. We're not the listening audience. So, you know, there's power in numbers. And uh, somebody like Rick demonstrates that. You know, if we had 5,000 people like Rick, uh, boy, oh, boy, who knows what the heck we'd come up with, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. And folks... While you're listening, we love you listening. Please continue to give us those five-star reviews. And if you haven't given us a five-star review lately on your favorite player, please give us one right now while you're listening. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, oh so important to get the uh, favorable reviews. It keeps everything moving along at a steady pace. And go out there and buy some books. Don't be a tightwad. And by the way... <laughs> Should you find yourself wandering around in the lower crab meadows with your camera, you'd best be advised to always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.